Good morning. How are you? Will you stand with me? Welcome to church. I'm hoping my drummer will show up soon. He's back talking in the in the lobby. Hey, Justin. Nice to see you. That's Justin if you haven't met him. So, welcome to church this morning. Come all you will. 
shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, all the stand before the Time, Christ alone. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord. You know, these words that we sing, you know, I, I, I think of somebody came up, like somebody created a song, right? They wrote it. And, uh, and I can only imagine, you know, the faith and the things that they had to go through to make this song. And I wonder as you sing it, does, is it something that rings true in your heart? Christ alone, cornerstone, right? Do you believe this morning, church, that the weak are made strong in his blood? And through the storm, whatever it is that you're going through, Christ is always Lord. Lord, I pray this morning. Father, I pray this morning that we would be a people that know in the good or even in the bad, you are Jesus. You are Lord. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, you are the one that we can put all of our trust in. And Father, I pray this morning that we would we would do just that. That, Lord, whatever it is that we might be facing or going through, Lord, or, and if we're not facing or going through anything, Lord, that we would find ourselves to be a people that when we're, run, that we're faced with a reality check, that we would say we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That we don't focus on what's, go, that we don't let what's going on around us deter how we are for you, Lord. But, Father, that we would be so close to you that those around us would say, man, I, there's just something different. Lord, I pray that, that if this church walked out of these doors this morning with duct tape on our mouths, that the world would still hear and feel your presence. Because you are everything. Without you, there is nothing. And Lord, you are so powerful and so amazing. There's nothing that we could possibly ever go through in our lives. That you are not over. And so church... We're going to sing that chorus one more time. And I just pray that, it's, that it rings true in our hearts. That we truly understand that God is above all and in all things. And he's always in control. And so if you would, even just for a moment, would you stand again? And with faithful hearts, can we sing this again? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Guys, we, uh, you know, 
I, I go Monday to Friday, and I'm at my job. And I got some work friends. I don't know if you guys, for those of you guys who work, you know, you might have some work friends. And I love my work friends, you know, but it's so awesome to know that I have a group and a family back here at this church. And that, that I come and I worship with a group of people and I'm not just here alone. And so in this part of the service, uh, we pass a peace with one another. And it's a reminder that God not only wants us to be one with him, but he also wants us to be at peace with one another. And so that's why, you know, sometimes it might seem a little redundant that, we, that every Sunday morning we go around and we say, may the peace of the Lord be with you. And then the response is, and also with you. But this morning, may you, may you mean it from your heart when you tell somebody, may the peace of the Lord be with you, that it's the peace that passes all understanding that you are praying over them. And if you run into somebody and you say, well, hey, man, the peace might not even be between us, then maybe you could squash it. You could talk with them about it. And so maybe I'm the first to tell you this morning. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Go and take some time to pass that peace with one another. We have a 30-second timer, but you can't do this in 30 seconds. So if you're watching and visiting with us online, just give us a moment. Um, maybe text someone and, or shout in the other room if, if someone else is home with you and say, Hey, love you. Peace be with you. Well, my name is Garen, and I have the opportunity to share with you some upcoming events. That are happening in our church. I'm going to roll this back. Thank you, Drew. Did you do this? Oh. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Justin. (laughs) Y'all. My name is Garen. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I'm so glad that you're here with us. I love that you're here. Those of you that are here in person. For those of you that are online. I love that you connect with us uh, once a week digitally. And so... I have a couple of announcements that I want to tell you about. First thing is, next Sunday is our church board elections. So if you are a member here, um, you can come next Sunday and join us for our church board elections. They should be pretty fast and simple. And so just wanted to make that announcement. The second thing is, stay connected. I think I think that uh, we, we've had enough people come in in the last few months that I want to make sure that we all know some of the ways that we can be connected. You know that if you ever need us, you can reach us by phone, but office at email, office at pionaz.church is a great way to connect with us. We'll send the information wherever we need to. A lot of you may not realize that we've tried to move our prayer chain to a, a more streamlined format. And so if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at pionaz.church. 
Notice how the at Church, we're trying to have it kind of uniform so it's easy. Hey. And so uh, you can watch us. You're, if you're watching us online, you're probably on Facebook or YouTube. But you can also catch all of our services on Facebook, YouTube, and our church website, which is pionaz.church. And the last thing is we, we, ha- we are about to roll back putting the Connect cards in the chairs. But you can always connect with us digitally. Go to pionaz.church and either connect button or just type in the slash connect. And that's where you can give us your name, your email. You can um, sign up to be added to the prayer chain. You can sign up to be added to our weekly email that goes out. You can give us your information. You can let us know if you want to talk about baptism or talk about um, Jesus being the Lord of your life or if you want to join a small group. Pionaz.church slash connect is one of the easiest ways because you don't have to have the card with you. You can do that anytime during the week. And so I encourage you, stay connected with us. The next thing I want to talk about is coming up a week from this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. It is the first day of Lent. And so we will be having an Ash Wednesday service. We're still working out what it's going to look like. Um, most of the time it's more interactive than you sitting there and somebody up here talking because we like it that way. I think that's how... Uh, people learn well. And so we're figuring out what it's going to look like, but we'd love to have you join us Wednesday, March 2nd from 7 o'clock. We'll probably open it up from 6.30 to about 8.30, and it'll most likely be a come and go, but I just put 7 because you got to put a time or else nobody will know when. So 7 o'clock. And then that launches us into the season of Lent, and we'll talk more about Lent in the coming days, but Lent is this 40 days of preparation. You know, It's kind of like we have Advent that leads us up in preparation for Christmas, and then we have Lent, which is this preparation that leads us up to Easter. And so we'll be doing a 40-day journey um, on this, uh, this season of Lent, heading toward the cross, and then ultimately to Easter Sunday, where we go past the cross, through the empty grave, and into this Jesus who is risen forevermore. But I want to give you a quick video to show you um, one of the studies that we're going to be doing. And so take a look at this. you on this journey and we have devotional books that we have and we're just giving them away so if you'd like a devotional book something that you can read every day um, we want you to have it and so follow along the sermons and the the Sundays will be centered around some of the themes that are coming up during the week and we want just our church as a movement to be all going in the same direction for these 40 days and so the books I believe are in the back. If you want to grab one or grab one for your family, um, that, that'd be great. And then we'll start March 2nd will be the first day and we'll do 40 days to Easter Sunday.
Thanks. This last week, um, a couple different families out of nowhere uh, blessed my family in ways that were very, very unexpected. And you're like, wow, it is really great to be loved and, and have someone offer themselves as a blessing to you. And then later the same, this last same week, a friend of mine called me from Haiti, desperate. said, hey, I need help for me and my family. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be really hard, God. I don't know. I started thinking about life and where where God takes us. Do we really count how God has just offered things and laid them in our path as just blessings that we never asked for nor expected, and they're just there? And as I started to recount the times where God has been able to use me uh, to where I could offer myself in some way, uh, physically, monetarily, that it was like, man, that has been the best thing of all time. And so I want us, as we come together to pray now, to ask God how we can be used as living offering. Uh, the word offering, it has to do with sacrifice. We don't really like that word. But Jesus says the ultimate sacrifice is the, is the best thing that we've ever had, ever known, will ever know. So let's pray together now and say, God, how can you use us to be living offerings for those around us? Um, it's one of those things, like when you go on a mission trip, it's the best thing you've ever done in your life. Like, wow, that was amazing. You come back and you're like just full of something you never knew before. God is asking us to figure out how to do that in our daily lives here in Port Orange or this, this area where we live. So let's go to him and pray now and say, God, how do you want to use us in such a way that all of our lives are transformed and we usher in the kingdom? So let's pray, let's pray together now. Father, we praise you. We thank you for your offering, for your willing offering for us that we can be cleansed from all the stuff, uh, junk that's been built up in our lives. That you can heal us from hurt and pain. That you can deliver us from addiction. And that you can make relationships right again. So Father, I first of all, I thank you for how you have made life worth living for me, for my family, for my friends. And I pray that we can somehow allow ourselves to be used by you in such a way that we are living offerings, living sacrifices to the world around us so the world can really be changed and that your spirit will come down and do things through us and to us that we never imagined were possible. We praise you, Father. We know that many, many great things are in store as we turn our eyes on you. We ask for all this. We praise you in your name. Amen. Here we are, day 16 of the Olympics. I used to sing to my girls, 
This is the Olympic tune, the song that you heard, but you didn't know the words to. And they were like, yeah, you're such a dork. Um, and I feel that maybe a lot of you um, are kindred spirits with my daughters. Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, we have watched the... Um, the triumph, the victory, the agony of defeat. For 16 days, we have watched people do some pretty boneheaded things, in my opinion. I mean, riding down a sled at 80 miles an hour, um, going down skis over blind hills and jumps. And Anyway, good for them. I'm very happy for them. You remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that in the Olympics, basically, um, Greece always enters in first. And then the last team that enters in, or the last country that enters in is the home country, and the one right before the last one is the next Olympic site country. And they always enter in individually, and they always work on their medals individually, and then they work them as a country. But at the end of it, after 16 days, they come back together, and they aren't entering into the stadium one final time as individual countries. They're entering as a collective group because they're saying the competition is over. We're better together. And we enter in to celebrate all that has happened in these 16 days. And I think that that's um, a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. We all have our individual gifts and talents, but at the end of the day, we all come together and we celebrate what God is doing not only just individually, but collectively through us. So I want to give you two stories today. One is going to be talking about the triumph of us working together and being together. And one of us is going to talk about the tragedy of not working together. So I'm laying it out. There you know what we're doing. So first one, some of you will know this one. Do you remember the 1980 Olympics? The miracle on ice. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the U.S. Olympic team, we had a bunch of college kids that didn't know what they were doing up against the, the Russians who were, uh, well, they were just the best for decades. And there's this one scene in the movie, oh, sorry, I, t- I didn't tell you. There's a movie called Miracle that if you want to watch it, there's this one scene where you've got these guys and they're playing this exhibition match and they're not really all in it. They're distracted. They're not paying attention. They're not working together. They're not running the plays like they're supposed to. And so the exhibition ends, and they're getting ready to head off into the locker room, and the coach is like, nope, get them back on the ice. You don't want to work then, we'll work now. And, and there's this scene where he is getting on their case, and he tells them, I love it, he said basically this, you better get this through your heads. When you put on that jersey, you represent not only yourself, but your teammates. And the name on the front of the shirt means a whole lot more than the name on the back of the shirt. And these college kids got it. They started to work together as a team, and they did the impossible. And some of you will remember Al Michaels making the call, and the time's running down, five Four, they're, they're against the Russians, they're up, three, two, and now Michael goes, do you believe in miracles? Maybe one of the greatest calls 
of the past 50 years. And the U.S. beat the Russians, and that was just to get into the gold medal game. And they ended up winning gold. But they learned the importance of working together. They learned that they needed each other and they had to depend on each other if things were going to work out well. They were better together. Now let me tell you a different story. This one is the tragedy that happened in, on July 2nd, 1881. We're four months into President Garfield's term. He's just become president and he's walking in Washington, D.C. to the train tracks. He's getting ready to hop on a train and a guy by the name of Charles, oh, what's his name, Guiteau, runs up behind him and shoots him two times in the back. So the president is rushed to the hospital. He's given a room and the guy who is going to be working on him is Dr. Willard Bliss. Let me rephrase that. His name is Dr. Dr. Willard Bliss, because Doctor was his actual first name. His parents named him Doctor because they wanted him to be a doctor. So he was Doctor Doctor. So Doctor Bliss comes in, he looks at the president, and he says to him very calmly, You know, I'm not too concerned. I don't believe the wound is that serious. To which the president, through pain, smiled and said, Thank you, Doctor but I am a dead man. So Dr. Bliss started working on him. He was the primary doctor. And over several weeks, he would try to help the president. He would try to get the bullets out that were lodged inside the president's back. Now here's, here's what's crazy. There were other doctors that could have helped. There were other physicians that could have assisted, but Dr. Bliss was a control freak, and he did not want anyone else's help. He wanted to do it alone. And so he wouldn't accept the help from the physicians that knew what they were doing, that could have assisted him, that could have given him information, and he chose to go it alone. Let's add another layer of tragedy. There's a guy maybe you've heard of. His name is Alexander Graham Bell. He was visiting his in-laws in Boston, heard about what had happened, and he started to think, hey, I recall when I was working on an invention called the telephone that I found a way to identify metal inside objects. I wonder if I could help the doctor find the metal in the president's back. And so we went to Dr. Bliss and said, I want to help you. Here's what I'm thinking. But Dr. Bliss thought, no, thank you. This is crazy. There's no way you could help me in this situation. There's no way you could find metal if I can't find it. Eventually he relented, but he said, I'll only let you do one side of the president. And as fate would have it, guess where the bullet was? On the other side. But Dr. Bliss was unwilling to have the cooperation. He didn't understand that he would be stronger and better with help. Let's add another layer of tragedy. There was a nurse that went to him and said, you know, doctor, I've been reading about this, this British surgeon. His name is Dr. Joseph Lister. And he's been talking about, he's proposed this theory that there are these invisible things called germs that might hurt us and that, that they can cause infections in our body. Maybe, Dr. Bliss, maybe we should wash our hands before we work on the president." Or maybe we should sterilize our utensils before we stick them inside 
his body. And Dr. Bliss looked at the nurse and said, invisible germs, that's crazy. And he proceeded to, with his dirty hands and dirty utensils, poke and prod inside President Garfield's body for 79 days until the president eventually died. Not from gunshot wounds, but from infection that had ravaged his body. Because the doctor who had sworn an oath to save him was actually the one who ended up killing him. Two stories, one in 1980 where a group of people come together and they figure out, hey, we're better together. And because they figure that out, they do the impossible. They do more than anyone ever thought they could do because they understood they were better together. hundred years earlier, a doctor that didn't figure that out. And it cost the president his life. So today, I know y'all are like, hey, uplifting, woo! Today we're in Luke, once again. We're, we're working through our core values, and we've talked about how we gather and we scatter, and we've talked about how we don't stay the same, we change. And today we're going to be talking about how we're better together. And so we're going to be, once again, in Luke chapter 5, we're going to be looking... The, the story is verses 1 through 11, but we're just going to look at two verses today, verses 6 and 7. And so just to set it up, what's happened before this, the crowds are following Jesus. Jesus sees a boat and he says, hey, Simon, can I use your boat? So they cast off a little bit. Jesus teaches the crowds. And then Jesus says, hey, go out where it's deeper and catch some fish. And Simon looks at Jesus and says, hey, we've been fishing all night. Hey, Jesus, this is kind of our profession. This is, this is our wheelhouse. Teaching is your wheelhouse. Fishing is ours. No, that's not what he says. He says we've been working all night. But because you say to do it, we'll do it. And then we get to verses 6, six and 7. It says this. At this time, so they go out, they drop their nets. At this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. Have you ever seen a fishing net? Could you imagine how big the load would have to be for a net to tear? A shout for help brought their, parent, their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. I want to talk just for a second about that sentence. At this time, their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. This sentence, a shout for help brought their partners in, their, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge. Oh, am I going in and out? Am I okay? We good? Sorry, I'm just in my own little world. A shout for help brought their partners. I want you to think about that for just a minute. These fishermen had these partners that they were working with. These are relationships that don't happen overnight. These are relationships that happen over weeks and months and years. These are relationships with partners that you can't microwave. You've got to slow cook. And these partners had been with them when they had too many fish to count, and they've been with them like they were this morning when they came back with empty nets. These were people that they lived their life with. They were in the fishing 
community. And when Peter, James, and John called for them, because there was a relationship, it brought their partners in. Now, when we think of fishing, we think of, oh, i got a rod and a reel, and I'm going to maybe get on a boat or go out on a pier, and I'm going to casually catch some fish, right? That's not what we're talking about. This was their profession. This was their livelihood. If they didn't catch fish, they didn't sell fish. And if they didn't sell fish, they didn't have money. And if they didn't have money, they couldn't afford to eat. They couldn't afford to have a house. They couldn't afford to, I don't know, have the next Nintendo Wii. I don't know. They couldn't, they couldn't afford to survive. This wasn't just a casual fishing excursion. These were professionals. These were nets that they would partner with people and they would cast out. And can you imagine how heavy these thick nets would be when you're trying to pull them out of the water? And then you add the weight of the fish. This wasn't something that you could do alone. In fact, the thought of a fisherman in those days fishing alone would have been absurd. That's just not how you would do it. You had to have a community of people with you just to lift the net out of the water. This wasn't something that they could do in isolation. And I wonder if that's an important point for us. Maybe that's why he chose fishermen to be his disciples. Because they were the perfect example of people that couldn't do things on their own. They had to have the help of their community if they were ever going to survive. So you have these fishermen that understood that they needed each other. And when they called for them, they came. So a shout for help brought their partners. Man, that word shout for help, that that phrase has been with me all week. It's caused me to ask, when I'm in trouble... Who do I shout for for help? My wife? Absolutely. Are there others? Are there, I call them your 2 a.m. friends. They're the ones that if you're in trouble and you call them at 2 a.m., they're going to pick up the phone. I think of about 15 years ago when Jen and I were in North Carolina and we had a tragedy that happened in our family. And there were about four people that we immediately called. And they weren't random people. They were people that we had been living life with for months and months. And we had shared meals together and we had gone to events together and we had gone to church together and we had lived life together. Those were the people that we called when tragedy was hitting Those 2 a.m. friends don't happen randomly. I wouldn't just call my high school buddy at 2 a.m. and say, hey, I'm really going through something. They wouldn't even answer the phone. It takes putting in the work of cultivating these relationships for things to, to be the way they are. My friends ministered to Jen and to me And it's not that they said anything. In fact, oftentimes it was quite the contrary. The people that didn't know us well, the people that we weren't close to, gave us um, Christianese answers. You know, the ones that we've all heard. Oh, it's for the better. Oh, well, God has a plan. Oh, well, that person's better off. Well, that doesn't help you when you're hurting. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It doesn't help you when you're hurting. 
And the people that we chose to be in relationship with and build community with, they didn't do that. They knew us well enough to know that simply their presence was ministry enough. And they sat with us in our pain, and they helped us get through it. Just by not letting us be alone. You got your 2 a.m. friends. But here's, I don't want to misinterpret scripture. This is not a negative thing that's happening. This is actually a very joyful thing. They are shouting because there is a lot of good stuff happening. Have you ever had something so good happen to you that you're, you're like, and you don't, you're like, who do I call first? I don't know who to call. That's kind of what we're talking about in this situation. And you need those types of friends too. You need people that you have been talking to. Man, I'm praying about this situation. I'm praying about this job. Oh, I really want you to help me pray with, about my sister or this or that. And they're the ones that have gone through the long haul of staying with you and being in a relationship with you so that when the good thing happens, they're the people you call and they're the ones that are excited for you because they've been with you. They've been sharing with you. And so now that you are celebrating, they celebrate too. But again, doesn't happen unless you put in the time and you understand that we're better together. Whether it's bad or good, for whatever reason you're crying and you're shouting out to your partners and your friends, it's not the same if you don't really have this better together mindset and if you haven't actually been living together. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So a shout of joy brought them. A shout for help. I, I think it's also important to notice that they called the people that they trusted. They called the other fishermen, the people who who understood what it meant when they saw the boat start to tilt from the weight of the nets and the fish. They, they called the people that they'd been working with and been in community with. Those are the people that they shouted to. And so they brought the shout for help, brought their partners and the others in the boat. And soon both boats were filled. Both boats were on the verge of sinking. So let's just get this straight. It's the obedience of Peter, James, and John. But the blessing blessed the whole community of fishermen. It was Peter, James, and John that were being obedient, but it was their obedience and the blessing that God was pouring upon them for their obedience that overflowed into these other partners when they shouted for help. It was because Peter, James, and John were in relationship, and they were in relationship with others, and then they became in relationship with God, and all of a sudden things change, and when they're listening to God, God starts to bless. Now, just to be sure we're all on the same page, I'm not saying that that means your bank account gets bigger. I'm not saying that that, meets the man, that means you meet the man or woman of your dreams. I'm saying God blesses, and we don't put limits on how God blesses. But... Just the very fact that God is present is a blessing, so we know that God blesses, right? I wonder, when I look at this, 
I sit there and I think, I wonder if one of the biggest problems that a lot of our churches have, and maybe ours if we're willing to admit it, is that maybe we're not being as obedient as we should be to God. And maybe we're not living in community quite the way we should. We're seeing churches more like an elective in school. I got my math, I got my English, I got my science, I got my church. That's kind of how we see it. I I, I live my life, I've got my wife, I've got my family, I've got my job, and then I throw in church on Sundays every so often so I don't feel guilty. I'm not saying that's what we do, but I'm wondering if maybe that mentality is one of the reasons God doesn't pour more of his blessings upon God's people. Because maybe they're not living a way that they can handle the blessings that God has for them. I don't know. That's just what I've been wondering this week. Because I truly believe that God will give us exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever think or imagine. And if we don't sense that that's happening, I don't think the problem is with God. I think the problem may be somewhere else. And if it's only us and God, and it's not God, I wonder if maybe we're being held back by our inability to understand the importance of living life together of growing closer to Jesus because I'm learning from you and you're learning from me. Of, of becoming better disciple followers of Jesus because you're sharpening me and I'm sharpening you. I wonder if maybe Jesus is just sitting there going, wow, if they would ever just get it all together, they would be afraid of sinking from the blessings that I have for them. Thankfully, in this story, that's not what happens. Peter, James, and John, because of their obedience, because of their relationship with others, they were able to bless so many more people because they were following Jesus. And and so much of this happened Because they were connected. They were connected with each other and then they got connected with God. And it changed the landscape of their life. And I hope that you realize it's the same thing here today. That you're needed. That you are important to this body of believers. That we are better together. And when you're not here or you're not connected, or you're not serving, or you're not discipling, or you're not teaching, or you're not giving, or you're not offering up your talents, or you're not... Anything that you are holding back is holding back from the body of Christ. That's how important you are to Jesus, to this church, and to the mission that God has for this church. Paul would put it this way. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, 
But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If, if the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I want you to hear that. If you are sitting here today, you are just where God wants you. If you are a a member of this church, you are just where God wants you. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. And yet there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members. So that all the members care for each other. Are you hearing the better together in this passage of Paul's? If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is part of it. Let me put it another way, just to bring back the examples. We're all on the same team. But the goalie can't say, because I don't score any goals, I don't belong on the team. Or the right wing can't say, because I don't block goals, I don't belong on the team. The defenseman can't say, goalie, I don't need you. Or center, I don't need you. Because they're better together. They're one team. Let me put it a different way. We're all on the same team. But the surgeon can't say, because I'm not an infection specialist, I don't belong on the team. Or the x-ray technician can't say, because I can't remove the bullet, I'm not on the team. The doctor can't say, medical peer, I don't need you. Or utensil sterilizer, I don't need you. Because we're better together. Let me put it this way. The boat can't say, because I can't cast the net, I'm not on the team. The fisherman can't say, because I can't single-handedly take us to the deeper waters, I'm not on the team. The net can't say, fisherman hands, I don't need you. Or, or water, I don't need you. Because we're all on the same team. 
Well, let me put it one more way. We're all on the same team. But the congregant can't say, because I don't play an instrument, I'm not part of the team. The pastor can't say, because I'm not good at that ministry, I'm not part of the team. The business person can't say, because I didn't go to seminary, I'm not part of the team. The musician can't say, hey, Sunday school class, I don't need you. Or teen group, I don't need you. Because we're better together. We're better when we're all doing what God's called us to do. Not when one person is doing what God's called everyone to do because nobody else is stepping in. No, we're better when we're all contributing. We're all better together. So the question is today, what part of the body are you? God's placed you here to use your body part, your giftings, your blessings, your abilities, your skills, your mindset, your thinking, your heart, your spirit. God's put you here at this local church setting. Why? I hope that you believe that God has done that because I believe God's done that. And if you don't think it's true, then you won't understand what you're supposed to be living into and we won't be who we're called to be because we'll be missing part of the body part because we're not all doing what we're called to do. So what body part are you? And remember that every part is needed. But, but if, if we don't all contribute our part, if we don't all give our gifts, if we don't take our core values seriously, if we don't understand the importance of gathering so that we are empowered to scatter, if we don't understand that God has called us to a life of transformation and that transformation happens many times because we are in unity with each other and we are together and we're learning from each other because we believe that we're called to change and we believe that we're better together and when we're better together, we give our lives away. It's like Jason said, it's not just about our money, it's we offer all of us. It means our times, our talents, our energies, our focus, our motivation. It means we offer to drive that person when they need it, even if we don't feel like driving it. We offer to do that, even if it means we might miss the game. We offer to give that, even if it means we delay buying our boat for a few more months. We offer everything to God because we're all part of the same body and we understand that Christ is the head and we have a role to play and when we don't play our role the body suffers I want to encourage you once again even now to surrender to God There are some of you that are giving 130% because there are others of us that are not giving any percent. I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where you were just running at breakneck speed, like maybe work is just crazy busy or family life or something, but eventually there comes a point where there is a breakdown and you just can't go on. 
because you're doing too much. There are people in our bodies, church, that are doing too much. And it's because some of us are not doing what we're called to do. And we all work better together when we're all working together. So I want to challenge you. If you're given everything, keep giving everything, but don't give more than you have. I want to challenge a lot of us who are not living into all we're called to be because we think that the only way we can minister is if we play an instrument or if we feel comfortable preaching. That is not true. If you have something to contribute, we want to help you find out how it can better the body of Christ. So talk to me, talk to Jason, talk to Justin, talk to Jen. Wow, that's a lot of J's. Talk to Tim. Say, hey, I don't know, I don't know why, but I feel called to this. And I know our church doesn't have that. That's okay. Maybe you're the spark that leads us into a ministry because you simply said, I have a passion for this. I feel like God's laid this on my heart. And we want to empower you. But we don't know that if you don't say anything because you feel like you don't meet one of the three criterias that are visible. I also don't want to miss this opportunity. This isn't about doing more. It's about being more. But I absolutely believe that there are things that our church is doing that can help you be more. And so I don't want to miss the opportunity to highlight just a couple of things that are happening in our church that maybe you don't even know about. Ladies, we have a group that meets on Mondays. Now space is limited, so you need to contact Debbie and and she can fill in more information. But we have a group that's meeting. They're starting in two weeks. Names of Jesus? Speak your name. And it's going to be 40 days 40 different names of Jesus and how we can understand Jesus better. That's happening. Maybe that's a place where you would want to tie in and start to learn to be better together. Celebrate recovery. If you have a hurt, if you have a habit, if you have a hang-up, this is for you. And let's be honest. We all have them. Right? Some of us dress it up a little nicer, but we all have hurts. We all have habits that we wish God would help us not have or help us change habits. We all have hang-ups, those triggers that just set us off. Celebrate Recovery is a beautiful time for you to come and learn how to allow God to heal you in such a beautiful way. There's music, they got the band, they've got a teaching moment, and then they have small groups, I believe, right, Ray? And so there's something for everyone in that moment. 40 Days of Lent. We're going to be starting this um, Ash Wednesday, and then the following Wednesday, March 9th, um, I'm going to have, it, I'm going to be here if anyone wants to join me. We're just going to talk through some of the previous week. Um, we're going to talk through some of the devotionals that we read and just kind of Try to grow closer together during this time. And maybe you say, oh, I don't want to commit to something forever. Well, this is just 40 days. This is seven weeks. Maybe you could commit to that. 
Um, another one, this is one that I'm really excited about. Beginning March 16th. Um, if you were with us two years ago when we went through Core 52, how 15 minutes can strengthen your uh, understanding of the Bible and God, well, the next phase is Quest 52. It's 52 weeks on Jesus, learning more about Jesus. And that's going to be starting on March 16th. So maybe you say, wow, maybe I need to know more about this Jesus. If you want to know more about this, you can see Debbie right back there. Or you can text or, or email office at peonaz.church or fill out the Connect card online and we'll get you information digitally. Next thing is Sunday school. If you want a great way to jumpstart your week, I feel like church is a great way to jumpstart your week. But even the pre-show is even better most of the time. If you want to join Sunday school at 9 to 9.50, you will not be disappointed. It is a great, great time of going deeper in God's word and connecting with others. These are just a couple of examples. But the truth is, maybe uh, these are all ways how you can grow. But the truth is, we're all also called to help others grow. We are called to disciple and to be discipled. And if I asked you right now, who are you discipling and who's discipling you? And if you couldn't say two people's names at the top of your head, then we have work to do. Because we're all called to be discipling someone. And we should all be discipled by someone. It doesn't have to be in this church necessarily. The people that I'm working with, one lives in Kansas and one lives in Tennessee. But who are you discipling and who's discipling you? So, I just gave you a bunch of ways where you can plug in to enrich your soul, but we also need teachers. We also need prayer warriors, people that believe when they pray, they touch heaven and God moves. We need people that are willing to help us with the ground. Mark does an amazing job once a month. He could use more help, but Linda does an amazing job all month, and I'm sure she would love some help. Maybe you say, wow, I can't sing, I can't play an instrument, but I know how to garden. I know how to make things look pretty. That's a gift. That's part that we need for the body. Maybe there's a ministry that you need to start. We don't have it here, and we should. Maybe God is telling you, you need to be starting that ministry. I don't know what it is, and this is really a strange way to end the sermon because I don't have an answer for you, but I believe if you've been listening, God is speaking to you. And I'm praying that God is telling you a way or two that you can help us be better together. And that involves you receiving something, but also you giving something. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Jesus, I believe we're better together. I believe it because you didn't do things alone. You had, you had people that followed you, and then you had disciples that were casual, and then you had the 12 disciples, and then you had the inner three that we've read about today. Jesus, you had rings and rings and rings 
community. You have so many layers showing that we're better together. You modeled perfectly how we're supposed to live our lives. And yet, for some reason, we are so content taking ourselves out of these circles of community because we feel like we can do it on our own. Jesus, we can't. When we try to do it, we're acting like Paul's words and we're just being whatever body part we are on our own. And apart from the body and apart from you, the head, well, we can't do anything. So Jesus, will you teach us how to be better disciples? Understanding that discipling means that we are learning and growing from someone and that we are pouring our lives into someone else. That we are being involved in this chain of discipleship. God, I pray that you'll help us to realize that when we take our chain, our link out of the chain, We weaken the chain. I pray that you'll help us to realize that we need each other, that we're better together, that ministry is most fun, most impactful, and most like you created it to be when we do it together. And then once you teach us that, I pray that you'll help us to live into that. Because that's what we want. We we just want, we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth here as it is in heaven. So we pray that you will make us better disciples, make us better together. And we pray this in your name, Jesus, the one who calls. Amen. Well, as some of you know, I I work part-time out at the Daytona Speedway. And this week I have witnessed many thousands of people breaking bread together, sharing in the fruit of the vine together. Hops grow on a vine, right? Um, Today there will be a couple hundred thousand out there gathered in in the name of their Lord and Savior, Dale Sr. It's a NASCAR joke if you don't know what I'm talking about. Count yourself blessed if you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, That pales in comparison to the calling on our lives from Jesus to share together in his name. I would give up the greatest event on this earth to be there as Jesus said, eat this with me in remembrance of me. Drink in remembrance of me. And I I get I don't know if you call it nostalgia for something you weren't there for. But then I'm like, wait, what in the world do I actually believe? I believe that Jesus is risen and that Jesus is present. So today, as we remember him, got to realize Jesus is here and it's some kind of spiritual thing I'm still trying to wrap my head around after many years of, of believing that and saying I believe it and not knowing what I believe I've just got to have some faith to say okay God this is all I've got you are here with us today so I want you right now to 
I don't know if you get one of these fancy ones like I do or the, the hard to open ones. But take the, the bread. Let's, let's hold this together. Look around. Who's around you today? You have a body of believers here celebrating with you the risen Christ who is present with us today. So Jesus is saying right now, let's eat this together in my presence in remembrance of all that I am and always will be. Let's eat. And then to know that we stand in the presence of Jesus. That we are here with Him. He is here with us. The guy who said, I'm going to take it all from you so that you don't have to anymore. We have been made clean if we want to be clean. We have been set on a different path, a different direction, given a completely different purpose. So Jesus, we praise you as we drink together with you, you here present with us. Let's drink. Father, we are here in awe of you, of all that you are, and all that you promised to be for, for eternity for us. Lord, we just we want to be obedient because we know that life with you is unlike life in any other way. We look forward to what you have in store. We just praise you as we gather together, unlike any other gathering that is happening on earth. We know that those gathered in your presence for your purposes, uh, there's no greater place to be. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. Amen. Will you stand with me? We sing our benediction here. If you're, if you're visiting with us, uh, I like how we finish singing together what we believe and what we pray. So will you sing with me? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.